Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. I want you to turn with me to the book of John, chapter 20. And God gives us these stories. The Bible doesn't say everything that Jesus did was written. It says, but these were written. These sound bites, if you will. These clips were highlighted. These stories were given to us so that we would believe, and by believing we would have eternal life. If everything that Jesus did, or if everything that the disciples did with Jesus would have been recorded, the book of John does say, that the world could not have contained the volume of the books. There's not enough storage, there's not enough iCloud, if you will, or cloud, to keep up with everything that Jesus did. But these were written so that we would be able to apply to our lives and learn and live by them. John chapter 20, so now we come to this part part of the life of Christ. says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw, of course, Christ had just been crucified. And she came three days later and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Understand, the stone wasn't moved to get Jesus out. The stone wasn't moved because he was locked in going, hey, I want out. I'm alive. Come rescue me. No, it is so that you and I could see that God has conquered death, that you and I could see that there's nothing to fear when it comes to the darkness. A lot of people think that stone had to be removed or had to be pushed so that Jesus could run and get out and take off and be free and and be what God's called him to be. No, the reality is, is that he came and the Bible says as that stone was moved, it says an angel was sitting in another version, says it was just sitting on top of it, sitting on a stone. I love that about God. He's a, he's a little naughty. He just, he'll just sit right on top of you and just, just do what he wants to do. And it says, as this stone was removed, she came running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. And the one, this one disciple, now notice, this is the one that he's talking about. It's himself. The other disciple is John, the one that Jesus loved. That's him writing this. How many believe you are Of all the siblings in your family, you are the favorite one. Let me see your hand. How many know what I'm talking about? You know that you're the favorite, you're the best, you're the brightest, you're the most successful. And that's what John was saying about himself. And God let him say it. It's amazing that he would allow this man to say that he was the one who Jesus loved. Of all the other, the 11, he goes, yeah, but he... He likes me the most. It's pretty arrogant. But God didn't rebuke him. Because I think there's something that you need to know. There is something that you need to know and that you are God's favorite. And that he has picked you and he cares about you. There is something that needs to be grasped. Can I get a witness, somebody? It's okay. It's okay to say, I look pretty good. Turn to somebody and say, I am his favorite. Come on, tell him right now. Turn to your second choice and say, I don't know about you, because I don't know you. That's why I didn't turn to you. You always go to the one you know, but then the second guy's like, oh, okay. You're not. Um, 
so this other disciple, so Peter and John are running. And as they, well, they hear the news that the Lord has been taken out of the tomb. Mary gives these words, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple himself started for the tomb. Both were running. Both, but the other disciple outran Peter. So John and Peter are running. They're running together. But Peter, if you know the story, Peter was probably a smoker. Peter probably was a toker, a midnight joker, a little Stevie Miller, a little CBD. He had some lung issues. And so as John and Peter are running, John or the other disciple outran Peter. Peter could not keep up with John. We don't know what John had in his drink. We don't know what was going on in his life. Maybe a five-hour energy. But he gets to the tomb first. And as he arrives, the Bible says, he bends over, verse 5, and he looks in at the strips of linen. He sees the cloths. He sees the various things that Jesus would have used and wore. But watch this. He comes to the tomb, but he doesn't what? He doesn't go in. He goes so far and he stops. He's a believer. He loves God, if you will. He is obviously chosen of the Lord. He's one of the disciples. But he comes to this edge or this ledge or he comes to a place, if you will, that he won't go any further. Now, as he's standing there at the edge or at the entrance to the tomb, then Simon Peter comes huffing and puffing and blowing his house down, it says, then Simon Peter comes. <laughs> Finally arriving. We don't know how long it was. Could have been hours. But we know it was obviously on this same day. Finally, Peter arrives. But when Peter gets there, Simon, along as he enters or comes to this entrance of the gate, it says, Simon comes behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he, seeing the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around the head of Jesus, it says in verse 8, then the other disciple, John, who had been standing at the door but didn't go in, as a result of Peter going in, then John entered in. Then he, as a result of of what Peter did, John also went inside, and then what happens? He sees and he believes. Not that Jesus was the Christ as much as he finally came to the understanding that he did rise from the dead. For they did not quite understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. God has a system in the kingdom of God like leapfrog. Have you ever played leapfrog? And when one jumps over the other and you just continue this pattern and you continue this kind of motion, this movement. And the truth is much like, if you will, Peter and John running, but John being a type and a picture of those that have been here the first. This church is eight years old. How many have been here for almost all of those eight years? Let me see your hand. How many veterans do we have here at Calvary? Maybe some of you were a part of even the previous, the whole 20-year journey. How many have been a part of this church less than one year? Let me see your hand. Two years. How many have been here two years? Three years. Some of you don't even know if you're here because you haven't even raised your hand. It's like, where am I? CBD. Uh, 
The first service was the same way. How many have been here a year? Two years. I went through every year of the world, and they're still not here. I don't know what the heck you think you're doing, waiting on a movie to start or something, or you're a Coast Guard official, um, which is across the street. So you've got John. John runs. John is the beginning, if you will. John is a type and a picture of the believer or the church member or the person that understands that it takes people and it took John to go because it's John that arrives first. Now understand that God has a system and this system is much like the military. That How many were in the military? Let me see your hand. Served in our country. Come on, thank God for these that serve our country. Thank God for y'all. My two brothers are retired general and colonel and commanded Southcom and they would even as it relates to wars, it relates to service going into Afghanistan or going into Iraq as they did. When you go there, when you're first in, you are so fired up, you run, you get to the country, you get to your place of battle and you love the military, you love America. You're just there to lay down your life. Everything is awesome. Maybe that goes on for a period of time and then after about nine months of war or however many years, it's like, you know what, I'm kind of done with this war, kind of done with the military, kind of done with America, ready to go back home, ready to go to a Miami game, a Dolphin game. Don't want to go to the U game anymore, but I want to go to the Dolphins. <laughs> but you have... You have this kind of, they get kind of tired, they get kind of worn out, and it happens to everybody. When you first took that job, that job that you have right now, if I get this job, I'm going to love this job. I want this job. And you ask, you ask them and you pitch yourself and they go, you know what, you're going to get, you're the one we're going to hire. He's like, oh God, I love you. And you're just so fired up. You don't want vacation. You don't want anything. You don't even want a paycheck. You just want to be there. You want to lay down your life and serve this company. For about how long? About a weekend. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I don't feel good. You're calling in sick. Even though the pandemic is over, you have found a new pandemic. You are, you're now just starting to struggle with taste issues. And you begin to look for any and every way to get out of that country <laughs> or that company. But then there's a new person that just got hired. Man, I love this company. You're like... <laughs> No, enjoy it now, but I've been here for two days, Toby. His name is not Toby, it's Caven. But I thought they said Tabin. Then I said, you're not a Tabin or a Caven, you're a Toby. Who knows Toby? Who knows who this guy is? It's Toby. Stand up, Toby. Just let everybody see you. This is Toby. Thank you, Toby. We'll rename you. When you come to Calvary, we're going to give you a new name that no one will ever know why. And then this morning, I felt like I was supposed to call him TB. Toby, TB, tuberculosis. Anyway, um, sidebar. When it's just part of the cafe that I just drank something that they just handed me. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so in life you have, it's the same thing in marriage. You marry me, I will never not love you. First love. 
Everything is about laying down your life for her or for him. And then, of course, what happens? Instead of you being a promoter of marriage, you're like, you don't want to get married. You don't, don't do it. You were so quick to open up the door for her when you first got married. And now it's like, as you look over the top of the car, you're like, what's wrong? Is your arm broken or something? What's up? I unlocked it. And you're like, boom, 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 pushing the button. You hear it? You hear it? It's up. So watch this. People show up at the church, and there are people that have been here, and you've been serving, and then guess what? Over time, if you're not careful, you get like John. You don't want to go any further. You don't want to go any deeper. You don't want to go any longer. In other words, the church is big enough. There's a lot of people that would say, much like John, I've gone far enough. I've gone deep enough. I've gone high enough. I've been serving the Lord. I've been a disciple. I'm loved by God. This is good enough. What's up in there? Whatever's in there, I don't want to see it. I don't want to know the unknown. I like the known, not the unknown. I like it where it's familiar, not the unfamiliar. That's John. That's that's what happens to all of us if we're not careful, whether it's in life or in marriage or in the military. But then all of a sudden, as he's standing there at the entrance, as he's kind of become worn out, if you will, here comes Peter. Second breath Peter. Second wind Peter. He is the second chance man. God was the God who's always given Peter another chance over and over and over. And Peter doesn't stop because John is standing there. He goes right by him. And goes all the way in. And he does not want to miss what God wants to do. He wants to experience so much more. And I think that what happens in church is like the military. Those that have been for a while, they get worn out, they're ready to go home. But then Peters finally get there. The Peters are the next generation of church members, people that are going to be the next generation of Calvary, that are like, why isn't this church bigger? The older saying, this church is big enough. The new people are going, this is the greatest secret in all of Miami. We need to have a billion of these churches. Come on, somebody. This is, this is the way it is. This is why you're sitting in a box packed in like this. It's uncomfortable. And we don't have facilities. We don't have comfort for you. We don't, you don't come here right now because it's easy to get in and out of the parking lot. We don't even have a parking lot. It's not easy to come to church. It's not easy to sit next to people. How many like it when you go to a movie theater? And the movie theater is empty. I love that. You don't walk into a movie theater going, oh, this is great. I can't even sit with my family. I gotta sit next to this lady or this guy that does all sorts of weird things during the movie. Pee Wee Herman. I don't want, send them news. I don't like going to a movie when there's a lot of people there. I like an empty movie theater. How many know? I wanna put my feet up on the seat in front of me. I wanna do whatever I wanna do. Walk around if I want to during the movie. Same way in church. A lot of people just would rather go to a church that doesn't have very many people. You know why? Because they like being noticed. 
it serves something often in their selfishness. But you are making a decision to come to a movie theater that is packed because guess what? You're not here because of a movie or a man. You're here because of God. Now, what is the necessary thing? And maybe some of you don't even know God yet. You don't even know why you're here. You're here because you thought this was an Ikea building or some kind of... You just came because your family said, if you want to eat, you have to come to church with us today. That's how I started going to church. My neighbors started bringing me to church because they said, we'll take you out for fried chicken after the service. And I was a 15, 16 year old boy and I said, I'll go for the chicken. I'll go to church with you, but I'm going for the chicken. And guess what? I got more than chicken. I got the God who created the chicken. (laughs) All right. Come on, say bok bok. I'm getting silly here this morning. And where are we as a church right now is that you knew people, those that are coming, you're like the Peter going to the previous Johns going, guys, let's take this thing to another level. Let's go higher. Let's go further. Let's go deeper. And the Bible says because of Peter, it brought John. Because of Peter moving forward, John, just by seeing what Peter was doing, he wanted to do what Peter was doing. And if Peter was going to go in, I'm going to go in after him. And he never even said a word to John. He didn't say, you better follow me into this dark place. You better go into this tomb. No, sometimes, listen, our greatest moves happen because we're around people who are moving with God. This is why you need to be in church. Because just by them doing what they're doing makes you go a little bit deeper. Makes you go a little bit further. Because the Bible created, in fact, God told us in the scripture that we're created to be in community. And it spurs us on. It encourages us to keep going. So a couple years ago, in fact, it was in year four. Our church was much like this. In our fourth year, our story is Lori and I met at LSU. We were married in 1990. And then we went pretty much straight into ministry together. She sang, I preached. That's what we've been doing for 33 years. We were in Louisiana for three different churches, speaking as well, traveling, and began to pray, Lord, put us in a city where we could change the world. Put us in a city that, for whatever reason, is changing the world, but we wanted to be in a moving city. And literally on Sunday morning, the phrase, it is Austin, came to us. We would move to Austin, and we eventually found after a library and after being in a hotel room, not a hotel room, but a hotel conference room. Don't go to a church that meets in a hotel room. But anyway, (laughs) there are some of those out there. I drove by one on our way to Versailles restaurant the other day. I said, keep on moving, pastor. And... We are now in a storefront, much like this. It felt very much like this building. This room might be a little bit bigger. And it was 6,000, I don't know how many square feet you have in this room, but we were in our 6,000 square feet total was the building. And people began to come, just like this, packed in. And on a Sunday morning, this is what I did. I just simply said, I'm believing God for 100 acres on I-35, and we're going to get it. Lori's on the front row going, no, Stop. <laughs> First of all, we didn't have enough money to buy one acre, much less 100 acres. And why would we need 100 acres? But I said it on a Sunday morning. 
And I could tell the Johns, much like this John that we're talking about, they were like, ah, this is big enough. This is far enough, including my wife. We don't want to go any further. I mean, honestly, you could take this church right now, the services that you're running, of all the people that are attending this church and calling this Calvary Church their home, you got thousands of people. Do you realize the average church in America is 75 people? If that. That's the median-sized church in America. So the mega-size, the mega-movement of this church is already in that 99th percentile. But guess what? There are still people within yards of this church that don't know Christ. There are people still going to hell in Miami. And as long as there's still one person going to hell, there's still one person without Christ, we still need to continue to plant churches and grow churches and expand the kingdom. And I said, we're going to have 100 acres on I-35. We're going to do what we've been called to do. And I said it, and 100 acres on I-35 is millions and millions of dollars. And I said, we're also going to fulfill the call of God, and that is not only to have a church, but we're going to have a university. We're going to have a school that will train the next generation. This was 2004. And a couple in our church, they had just joined the church. They had come out of a Lutheran church, almost basically Catholic light. And they came to our church and they began to, frankly, in the last couple of weeks, they were just getting touched by God. They were packed in here. They didn't know what was going on. But as I preached about 100 acres, believe God with me for 100 acres and find a piece of property, they walked up and said, Pastor Joe, we believe the Lord spoke to us. We're going to be the ones that God's going to use to find the property. I said, you go, girl. And they came back a couple of weeks later and said, Pastor Joe, we were driving down I-35, and we said to each other as we were driving, it's almost like we had an open heaven, we saw a church up on top of this hill with a cross, and it's at this intersection of I-35 and Westinghouse Road. And I said, is it for sale? And they go, no. I said, well, we can't kill the people, we can't (laughs) squat we can't, I mean, we just can't go over there and attack it. It's, that's Old Testament. I wish it was. You need to stop reading the book of Joshua. We got to get into the New Testament here. And they said, well, if you don't mind, we're going to go knock on the door of this farmhouse. And when we do, we're going to tell them we're from celebration, if that's okay, because we believe that we're supposed to have that hill. And we don't know how many acres it is. We don't know anything other than we saw a church on that hill, and it looks like a lot of land. They went, and on a Thursday morning, knocked on the door, and a man answered, and he goes, are y'all Jehovah's Witnesses? And they went, uh, the right one, the right Jehovah. And he says, what is it? What do you want? And they said, well, we're Ray and Maria from Celebration Church, and our pastor is believing God for 100 acres. And we drove by a couple of days ago and saw what we believe was a vision from God, and we're going to be on that hill with a church that will reach a lot of people. And he said, who told you? And the other words were, how do you know? And they're standing and looking at each other and looking at him. And they said, we don't know. Other than what we felt. He goes, you don't know anything? And they said, no, we're just Ray and Maria Lutherans (laughs) from Calvary. And he brings them in and he sits them down. And he says, let me tell you what's happening right now. And my hair, he goes, I am freaking out. He said, My father-in-law in in 1942 bought this 165 acres, but they're selling 100 acres. My wife and her brother are selling 100 of the 165. 
1942, Mr. Barton, my father-in-law, he said, bought this property and dedicated it to God. And he said, one day from this hill, there will be a church that will reach the world and the world will come to this hill and there will be a university that will train the next generation of leaders for the kingdom of God. You're telling me that the Lord spoke to you that there's going to be a church on this hill. And he says, what is the craziest thing of all is as if that's not enough. He said, Thursday night, this is our Tuesday night. We brought the family together, 36 of us from around the state of Texas. My wife and her brother inherited this land from their father 14 years ago. And we felt that today, Tuesday, was the day to fast and to pray and to ask the Lord to send the church that was supposed to buy the property. And you're knocking on this door Thursday morning. And we made a vow that no one would say anything to anyone about this vision. And that's why I'm asking, how do you know? Because I want to kill whoever from the family said. (laughs) I would meet with Lori the next day. Ray Maria called and said, Pastor Joe, here's the story. They want to meet with you the next day. And I went with Lori and we met and we shared the vision. And two weeks later, they came back and they said, you're the church that our father saw. You're the church that we saw, but my father saw it in 1942. See, let me tell you something. This is also for your own life. Where there's vision, there's provision. See, this is why the Bible says, you don't want to live by your vision. You want to live by his vision. He provides the vision for your life. Wherever he tells you to go, he has already gone before you. And the Bible says, as he did with Israel, he'll do it with you. He led them during the day by a cloud of his glory and at night a pillar of fire. And Israel every day, whether it was leaving Egypt with the Passover as they broke the, of course, the, 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 the meal, they took the lamb and they, they applied the blood to the doorpost and the Passover or the angel of death, God bringing judgment passed over Israel because God had provided for them a lamb for every house. And then Israel was now in the wilderness and they're journeying for 40 years and God brought what to feed them? Manna. He brought the manna from heaven. And every day they'd wake up from the time when God began to rain manna from heaven. And they'd walk out and there was angel food every morning. Fat-free, sugar-free angel food cake. And then they come into the promised land after 40 years. And they come across the Jordan and now they're about to take property. They're about to go into Jericho and begin to take all of the promised land that God had already prepared. In fact, he said to, uh, to Joshua, I have already given the city to you. I've already made provision for you. But what's interesting is on that day, it says in Joshua chapter 5, from that day on, the manna ceased and they ate of the corn from the land. God provided the Passover. He provided the manna. And now it's as though he's not providing supernatural food anymore. Where's the food? It's inside of you. It's Christ in you. 
the hope of glory. See, now you're living by the resurrection power of God. And I want to say, you don't have to have some kind of supernatural, tangible thing on the outside. It's in you. What brought Peter to go all the way into the tomb? It was God inside of him leading him. And he was following the witness of God. It was also part of his nature that if I'm going to go with God, I'm going all the way. Some of you have been standing too long at doors that God has already opened for you. What doors? What doors have already been provided for? And you're like, I don't want to go in. I'm scared. I want to see. I want to feel. I got to have God do this or I've got to have God do that. He's already done it. And we would move into that property. And now since 2005, we built our first building. Nine months later, we built our first building and moved in 36, almost 40,000 square feet. Second building, we did another addition. And then we're in our third building on top of the hill, seats 3,000 people. And now we're building the university. It's going to be like a miniature Epcot which is, by the way, the exact same size of property that we have. I say every day, Lord, if you did it for Disney. (laughs) If you did it for Walt, you can do it for Joe. Because I'm the disciple that you love more than Walt. See, Ray and Maria, Ray and Maria, all they were We're people who took the same principle that Peter took. I'm going all the way. Let me ask you a question. How many want to go all the way with God? And the rest of you? I saw about half the hands go up. The other ones are like, I just want to go so far and stop. Oh, really? Okay. We'll let you. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Just as John could not help but to go all the way, you stay in this church, you're going to go all the way. Because it's just the nature of this church. And what I love about this story is that Peter, he didn't go, John, I want to talk to you about why you didn't go in first. I want to know what kept you from going all the way in. Listen, John standing there did not deter or even detour or distract Peter. Peter walked right by John. Listen, there are some people you're going to have to stop walking with and you're gonna have to walk right by. They may not wanna go with you, but I'm going all the way with God. I'm gonna follow Christ. And listen, the same football players that laughed at me when I became saved at LSU and began to lead the team as a chaplain, I was the chaplain for University of Texas for a long time. The reason why they're not winning is because I'm no longer their chaplain. That's another story. In fact, I'm gonna be the chaplain at University of Miami. Hey, they're gonna start hitting their knees again, but here's, The same guys that used to laugh and mock me now called me. See, the people that probably are even laughing at you right now going, you gave your life to Christ? You're going to that crazy Calvary church? You're going to that church where Toby goes to church? (laughs) TB tuberculosis? I'm not going to that church. You go to that church where that guy Peter sings in cowboy boots and sounds like Rascal Flats? I'm not going to that church. 
I noticed everything. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You go all the way with Christ, they're going to be calling you in the days ahead. Going, hey, I want the same power that's in your life. I want the same life that's in your life. I want the same glory. I want it. I want it. Because this is not... Come on now. Yes, sir. That means it's time to go. When the preacher stands up, it's time to go. One more thought. Come on, stand to your feet all over this place. Why did Peter go in and John didn't? Peter wanted the person, not an event. He was after Jesus. How many are after Jesus here today? Father, come on, would you just extend your hands to heaven? Can you say this prayer with me out loud? And the pastor's going to come. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I want to go all the way. Because you went all the way for me. You didn't go halfway. You went to the cross. And you died for me. And you were buried for me. And you were raised for me. But God, you didn't hold back. Lord, forgive me for holding back. I want to believe you for greater things. I'm willing to step into the unknown. I'm willing to step out, Lord, by faith. Because you'll lead me and guide me. Lord, I want to see your glory. And I want others to come into the same life. Lord, I give you the glory. I give you the honor. I give you the praise. And all of God's people said, come on, let's thank God for the day. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hey, really quick, before we go, before we go, why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Every eye closed. I would hate to dismiss service without giving an opportunity to people. If today you feel far from God, you are far from God. In fact, you probably think God wants nothing to do with you. Whether you're here or in additional seating or watching online, you're saying, that sounded awesome. I love that message from Pastor Joe, but I just can't see myself being a part of that. Alex, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You're right. I don't, but God does, and he loves you still. He, in fact, he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants to bring you along on the journey. He has plans for you. He has a purpose for your life. With every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you're in here today, you're saying, Alex, I'm far from God. I got sin in my life. I've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. The Bible says all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all done wrong, thought wrong. We've all failed and haven't met God's standard. God is a loving God, but he's a holy God. And our sin separates us from God. The Bible says that the wages or the price of sin is death. In other words... All that we were doing, all that we were thinking, all that we were saying should have killed us. Many of us have experienced that. Sin started to kill us slowly. Perhaps we're in that today. Sin is killing us. It's killing us emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Many times it ends up killing people physically. Sin brings destruction. The price of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to face those consequences. God has life and light to the fullest for you. With every eye closed, every head bowed, Jesus came. He grabbed my sin. He grabbed your sin. The Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. He went up to a hill called Calvary. And there he paid the ultimate price for sin. The sin that should have killed us. Jesus said, I'll take death so that you can receive life. The Bible says they beat him. They crucified him. There the Son of God became sin so that those of us who had sin could become the righteousness of God. 
Jesus died on that cross. They put him in a grave. He was dead for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. Jesus is alive. He's changed so many of our lives. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Today, some of us, we got to do what Peter did. We got to step in, look at the empty tomb and believe Jesus is Lord. Today, if you're looking for hope, you're looking for peace, you're looking for joy, you've been looking in all the wrong places, the only one that can fulfill the human heart is God himself the one who designed it with every eye closed every head bowed we're leaving in just a moment if you're here and you say Alex I need Jesus I need a new beginning I need forgiveness of sins I'm going to count to three in a moment of privacy in a moment of prayer every eye closed every head bowed when I count to three if that's you if you say Alex would you pray for me I need Jesus today I need forgiveness I want to repent all that means is to turn around I want to turn from destruction from sin and I want to turn to God today's your day of a new beginning Today's your day of a brand new future. Today's the day of forgiveness. Today's the day where God begins something so beautiful in your life. With every eye closed, if that's you, at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. Raise it up, raise it up. As high as you can, as high as you can. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you. Good move, good move. I see you and you and you. I see you, I see you. Awesome, awesome. An additional seating. Come on, can we give God a hand for all of these people making a decision? Amen. Hands went up all over the place. With every eye closed, every head bowed. From here to additional seating. If you raise your hand, maybe you haven't raised your hand yet, but you're there. You're like, I want to give him my life, but I don't know. You're thinking about everything else. Listen, just take that step of faith. He's got you. Those of you who raise your hand and those of you who want to begin again, you want a brand new start, say this prayer with me. In fact, the whole church out loud in one voice, repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come on, say, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved, I'm healed, and I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, how good is God? He's a good God. Hey, over the last few weeks, over the last few weeks, we've seen 40, 50, 60 people make a decision for Jesus every Sunday. God is on the move. Today, hands went up all over this place. Maybe you couldn't raise your hand. You're like, I don't know. You were scared. Listen, we have a gift for you outside. If you said that prayer in your heart, but you're saying, I'm taking this next step here, additional seating. On the way out, we got coffee, lemonade, the cafe, all that. Before you do any of that, just say, hey, I did that prayer with Alex. If you see somebody waving this white bag, we got some coffee cups in there, a notebook, an email, or a letter from me and Diana that we want to give you. Most importantly, there's a free Bible in there, and it's a Bible with notes that are going to help you understand what you're reading. Pick it up before you leave. It's a free gift from us to you. Come on, Calvary, can we make some noise for each and every person making that decision? Thank you so much. Come on, can we thank God for Pastors Joe and Lori? Come on, they're the absolute best. Let's leave out of here celebrating all that God did today. If you're ever in Texas, pass by and visit them. Pass by the lobby. I believe they're actually going to be signing books as well. Say what's up to them. With every hand lifted, Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for your good grace, for your love, for your mercy. Go before us this week. Let your glory shine upon us. 
Father, we thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All of God's people say. Oh, come on. All of God's people say. Come on. Put your hands in the air. Let's leave out of here celebrating.